Good morning. My name is Molly Wecker, and I'm one of the worship interns this year. Our scripture today comes from Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne to his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's ascendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked. The angel said, Since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Holy High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be been, a, been unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from the God will never fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words to me be filled with the angel left her. This morning we light the third candle of the Advent wreath. This candle reminds us of the prophecy foretold in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness for that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This prophecy of Isaiah was written 600 years before Jesus' birth. 400 years before his birth, the Old Testament writings ceased. While God is believed to have been silent during these 400 years, Surely he was watching and working while he waited. Then, at just the right moment, with all circumstances aligned, God ended his silence. It was time for the foretold to be fulfilled. The angel Gabriel was dispatched to Nazareth to a faith-filled young virgin named Mary who was betrothed to a carpenter from the family line of David. Gabriel told Mary that she had found God's favor and that she would conceive the Son of the Most High. The Israelites' centuries-long wait was ending. The Messiah would soon be here. Let us pray. Father, as Advent continues, help us remember that this is the season of preparation, preparation for the celebration of Christ's birth at Christmas, as well as for the second coming of Christ. We ask that you awaken our hearts and minds to all of your promises, those fulfilled and those which remain foretold. Amen.
make our interns work around here. Good morning. So glad that you're here this morning. I want to welcome all of you that are here with us on the church uh, online. Um, I do want to say two prefatory comments to the, to the talk this morning. Um, first, Christmas Eve is for our entire community. It's for everyone that desires a relationship with Christ, that wants to encounter that wonderful moment of uh, being at one with the community in God and, of course, lighting the candles and raising them high. So we have three services at 2, 4, and 6. You saw that on the uh, video a few moments ago, but I encourage you to be inviting friends, relatives, and neighbors uh, to it. It's a great interface. It's pretty non-threatening, um, and we'd love to have them there. And... Today, you also saw on our welcome video the fact that we have this very tender service tonight at 7 o'clock, the Children's Memorial Service. It's held across the globe from 7 to 8 p.m., whatever time zone people are in. And to do that, we need to have people have access to our stage this evening. And so following this service, I'm going to ask for six or 12 of you to move the uh, um, kneeling rails to a specific place. So after I say the benediction, uh, they're going to leave my microphone on so we can do that. And a couple of hands will make that really quick, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you very much in advance for helping. So let's get to the talk, the interpretation of the words that Molly uh, read a few moments ago. And, and, I, and I preface this all by saying that the words that others say are often worth repeating. When you hear someone's words, sometimes those words really penetrate your heart. And you say, I, I, I need to say that again somewhere. And you've heard, if you've been in this church any length of time, about this camp called Summer Games, yeah? So we send um, kids to summer games. We rent out Grinnell College for a whole week during the summer. And la lots of... Uh, playing around, lots of connections with students, lots of Bible studies, and lots of big worship. Um, and one of the big worship services, we were working one year, uh, some years back, on helping students be able to give their own testimony, okay? And my friend John, who's an amazing pastor, my opinion, uh, and his church's opinion, uh, gets up there and he starts giving this testimony. And he starts talking. He says, I just want to share my testimony with you today. He says, you know, I grew up in a middle-class household, uh, and my dad got up every day and went to the factory to make washers and dryers. And he did that eight hours a day, sometimes more. But it was a good living, and we had a good, solid income. And he said, plus, you guys all know that I was an athlete in high school, and I was a wide receiver. And on the last play of my senior year, if I'd have caught this one pass, it was just at the edge of my fingertips we'd have gone into the finals of the state playoffs, but it was just too far. And I'm sitting next to my friend, Craig Peters, and he says, that's my testimony. He didn't live in Newton. He, my dad worked at the washing machine. His dad was a, was a farmer. He didn't play football. For, he's from Iowa Falls. And he's like, and of course, then John says, you know, those are good words. And sometimes we need to hear other people's stories, but we also need to be able to tell our own story. But I just got a kind of kick out of it. It's like sometimes other people's words do help us along. I know that um, Carly was up here singing today, and I know she and a lot of her colleagues are in finals week at college, you know, right now. A lot of them are finishing up their semesters. And <clears throat> I remember one of my professors telling me, he says, there's a lot of re ways to write a final paper, but one of the most effective is to make your case using the words of others, and then using the string of pearls method, he called it, you introduce what one of the greats in this field is going to say, and big, big quote, and then you 
talk about how that proved it in another big quote that whole string of pearls thing using other people's words and so today um, I'm going to do that I was looking at some things for Advent and I found in my resources the 2018 Advent devotional guide that was written by members of the church uh, each day during Advent we had a different devotional so I think um, using those words that were written five years ago today still speak to us today because every one of them and you'll see them on the screen momentarily every one of the sentences you'll see that was written by another stand on the bedrock of the scriptures and speak the gospel truth and encouragement now when we look at the context of this sermon series of foretold we remember what Liz said a couple moments ago in this pulpit she talked about the fact that the prophets have been speaking God's truth for many years as a matter of fact when you look at the scriptures from Isaiah to Malachi there's 17 prophets and each one of those prophets not all of them have every theme but among those 17 prophets three main themes tend to emerge the first theme is that Israel is guilty and being held responsible for breaking the covenant that they made from God. They're, they're guilty of it, and they're going to be held responsible for it. Secondly, there's that call because of that for Israel to repent and turn back to God, to come back to the God that's always loved them and that cared for them. And third, the, the promise, the prophecy that God will bring deliverance, hope, and judgment through a coming Messiah. All 17 of those prophets speak, and then, and then, 400 years of silence. And from 400 years of silence, from Malachi to the Gospel of Matthew, the words, the silence ends. 400 years of silence from God end with the words, you will conceive and give birth to a son. So today we look at Mary. In the scriptures, Mary is exalted as a model for Christian discipleship. Now, those of us that are gathered here today are Protestant. We don't really do a great job, honestly, of venerating Mary, the mother of Jesus. Because, you know, we've had others around us that seem really fixed on that. And so we need to stop for a moment and remind ourselves of this. Mary's not a goddess. She probably doesn't have a best mom ever chalice sitting on her shelf, right? She probably never had a feature article, Woman of the Year in the Galilean Times or whatever the papers were back there, if there was one. But she is, however, a model for Christian discipleship. And her questions of the prophecy led her to believe and respond. Gabriel, the angel, intervenes in Mary's life and makes these proclamations. First, he says, depending on the version you read, hail over, O favored one. Hail, O blessed one. Hail, one who is in God's favor. This, this beautiful, um, you know, honoring of Mary. And then he goes on to say, you shall be the mother of the most high God. Both of those things are magnificent. Both of them would have startled Mary a little bit. And yet, her response is immediate. And it should be response, I mean, it should be uh, appreciated because the first thing she says is, how can this be? 
Because one thing Mary knew for sure is that she couldn't be pregnant. How could this be? How could this possibly be? And, and our, our, our friend Leanne Rodriguez, who's sitting in the front row this morning, wrote five years ago, God's plan doesn't always align with my plans. She's got more kids since then, too. He's, right? <laughs> but it's so true, because here's Mary... She's planning a wedding. Now, they didn't plan like we plan today, figuring out what napkins to have and what caterer to bring and all that kind of stuff. But Mary is definitely mentally planning for a wedding, knowing that when Joseph gets done doing the business that he has to do to get ready for a wedding, she's going to have a wedding. She's planning a wedding, not a nursery. But now she's got to do that. Because in the middle of her planning for a wedding, God intercedes. I always say, you know, Mary was doing this, but God had a different plan for her. I have this really good friend, uh, Steve. And, you know, 30-some years ago, um, it was my first encounter with him, and he was a layperson in a church called Living Faith in Omaha. And he had just launched, alongside his wife, this new advertising marketing agency. It was starting to do stuff on the Internet, can you imagine? Advertising on the internet. He knew that this was going to be the new market. He was doing TV and radio stuff, of course, still the bread and butter and advertising 30 years ago. And he had with his friend that was a builder and actually building his house this kind of friendly wager of who is going to make $100,000 first. Now, this is like 30 years ago. 100000 was a big number then. Who still is if you don't have it, right? Right? But Steve, in eight months had made $100,000. And he kept going to church, and he was in this thing called Disciple Bible Study. Maybe some of you have taken it here. And then he got involved in what's called the Alpha Course. And his business just started to explode. And Steve started feeling this calling on his heart. And so did his wife. And they were set. They had a brand new house. One child, they'd built this new house with a, with a bedroom for any other kids that would come along. And he kept saying, to his spouse, I'm feeling like I'm not doing the right thing. And she said, I know. I think you're supposed to be in ministry. He said, I think so too. So at the end of his second year, he was making 150 grand. And he took an appointment as a Methodist pastor for the whopping salary of $22,500. It wasn't his plan. He wanted to have the biggest marketing agency in Council Bluffs in Omaha. The only reason he was able to pay for seminary is he sold it. But God had a whole different plan with him. His, his plan, you know, his life plan did not align with what God had for him. He, he was going full speed on this. And I, and I just tell you that story about Steve to ask you a simple question. What about you? Are your plans exactly aligned with how you started out dreaming them? Yeah. If some of you didn't laugh out loud, you weren't listening. That's okay. It's okay. I understand. I know mine's not. I don't think any of our plans are truly in perfect alignment with where we started out. More likely or most likely, God has, has nudged you or circumstances have turned you into a little bit different place and a little bit different thought process than when you started out. Because I know this, God constantly is nudging us Constantly nudging me, nudging us towards, towards greater use in his plan. He, he's, he's, he's pushing us 
gently, softly, sometimes beckoning to us winsomely for us to move towards him. Which, which brings me to my second quote. We stand on the edge of Christmas. What will it take for you to be astonished at Jesus? Claire said that. She was in the first service. But I know we know this story. Even our confirmation students are reading the stories in Matthew 2 and, and Luke 1 and 2 right now. We want them to know these stories. But the question that, that Claire asks us is, how long has it been since you've been astonished by this story? This is one of the most astonishing stories ever told in, in human history. How long has it been since you read this story in Matthew 2 or in, or in Luke 1 and 2 and been astonished? I mean, I know you'll gather here in a couple of weeks with your family and, and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll drink it in as a family, the story of Jesus being born and placed in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger in the middle of the nativity in Bethlehem. And I know when you hear the story maybe going down the road or on your Spotify you know, playlist or something like that, that it brings these feelings of nostalgia that, that, that bubble up in your heart. And maybe just because we're in the season and it's dark at 1.30 in the afternoon or something, that story, isn't it? Like seriously, I think last night the sun just said, oh, it's one, I'm going to bed. And anyway, that it's like this story brings us hope. There's something about it. But how long has it been since you read it with astonishment and said, God intervened in a woman's life? And she said, yes. Mary's impossible pregnancy, and it is impossible. That's what we should be astonished about. It is impossible. Changes the plan, not of this one young woman's life, not just of this guy who's, her, who's going to be her husband's life. It changes the plan of the whole of the world. As a matter of fact, it changes the direction of all of human history. How long has it been since you've read with astonishment the fact that God was silent for 400 years to his people and that silence is now transformed to God with us, present in and around and among us. And now, from from the first page of Matthew, the first page of Luke, we are told that now we need not be far off from God ever. We may feel far off from God sometimes, but we need not be far off from God ever. We can choose to be with God. Don't you marvel at that sometimes? Don't, don't you marvel? Are, are you astonished that God has chosen you as his child? I'm totally astonished that he's chosen me. Mary was astonished, absolutely astonished, and she chose to align her life with God's plan saying, I am the Lord's servant. That was her response. I'm the Lord's servant. Mary placed herself in the hands of God and trusted that he would take care of the details. That he would take care of the details. You know, I had a friend here. Oh, now it's been 10 or 12 years. And he was on a big project. Maybe some of you were on it too. But it was building a, um, a driverless military transport truck big contract was being sought out and the project itself i think cost 100 million dollars to do the prototype and this truck could go over any kind of terrain up and down it was kind of modified bigger version than what we call a humvee it had giant tires you know that a guy could stand beside go up and down and it could take it could take either personnel 
or supplies through a battlefield without having a driver. So it could just drive on, on sensors and all that kind of stuff. But, but to win the contract, the various companies, I think there were five, I can't remember, but more than, more than a few, they were all brought out into the desert in Utah and in, in a hilly, you know, treacherous kind of country, similar to where they were going to send these vi vehicles elsewhere in the world. And they were going to have a race from this spot to several miles away over there. And, and the local truck was winning the race. And then it just stopped. Did the battery give out? No. Did the guy running it fail? No. Did a, another vehicle run in front of it? No. Did a human person run in front of it? No. They had all those provisions ready. They, they prepared for all those details, but they missed at least one because a tumbleweed blew up in front of the front sensor, stopped that $100 million vehicle dead. And they did not come in first. And so some of our local people probably didn't get bonuses that year, right? And that was probably the outcome. They had thousands of details and contingencies planned, but not every single detail. We need to be cautious about that because God has every detail planned. He's that loving father that has all of our detail and he's ready for everything. Teresa and I had good friends named Craig and Abby when we were living out in Western Colorado and they had a two-story house. Well, truth be told, he was a mortician. So the lower level was a chapel. But anyway, um, and you kind of had to be careful going over at night, let's be honest. Uh, anyway, when they had a baby, little, little Abby, and she started getting motated. She and her dad had this great relationship, right? But Abby had this habit. And when you'd go to their house, Craig and Julie would say, hey, listen, if Abby starts going up the steps or if she gets on a chair or something, be ready. For what? He said, just be ready for her. Because she was famous for, she'd go up five steps and she'd see Craig, her dad, and she'd, she'd just look at her dad while she was climbing up the steps and say, here I come, daddy, and jump. She'd do it off a chair, a table, whatever. You had to be ready. And far as I know, Craig made a play every time. Never dropped that little girl. And, you know, she's almost 40 now, so she's quit doing that. But um, <laughs> I assume I shouldn't. I haven't talked to her for a little while. But he caught her every time. But the thing that Abby had full and complete trust in her father. Never was he not ready? Never did he not make the visitors in his home ready just in case his daughter jumped on him or at him. Never a detail was missed. And how that relates to our loving father is, do we trust God? Do you trust God specifically with the details of your life as completely as a child trusts their dad when they jump towards their arms? See, Christmas for the Christian is about a decision based in trust. God chose Mary. Mary chose God. God chooses us. That's three quarters of the equation, right? We go through these days, which I, I love, man. I love the lights and the 
carols and all that kind of stuff. I love the sights of, of the Advent nativity and the, and, and the, <clears throat> the uh, Advent candles being lit one by one. And, and I just love the sights of sound and they remind us and they're supposed to remind us. And the reason that the ancient church had these signs and symbols was to remind us that every day, every single day, God chooses us and the witness of Mary moves us beyond our plans to God's plans. And are we ready are we ready to say, like Mary, I am the Lord's servant? Ron Knapp wrote in that devotional, this story fulfills the promise of God and sets the stage for Christmas, but it's more than that. It sets the stage for our entire existence as Christians. Mary's example is really pretty simple. I'll do it. That's it. She doesn't really have any comprehension of what the total I'll do it is or what it is, but she does it. And, and I have to tell you, because this happened just a month or so ago when we were, uh, during the church, maybe, maybe two months ago, we were recruiting the new officers for um, our to leadership of the church. And I love this one phone call. I loved them all. But this one phone call just jumped at me because it was so different. They said, hello, Pastor Mike. The answer is yes. Now, what's the question? That's a lot of trust and faith. And they'll be serving on a committee this year because we need them. Because that's what our existence as a Christian should be when the Lord beckons to us, when he, when he speaks to us, when he gets that nebulous nudge of our soul. We say, yes, God, I'll do it. Just tell me what that is. Give me the details and I'll do it. We're to say yes because just, just as the angel tells Mary, she is necessary for God's plan in the world. God tells you, you are necessary for his plan in the world. Have you thought about that lately? How necessary you are? Because Mary says, may your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. Our next quote comes from a then high school girl bit older now, Ali Donahue, who wrote this. Mary provides an example for us to follow today. She had a submissive heart and put her trust in God, and that is exactly what he wants from us. Mark Twain has Huck Finn saying to one of his teachers, God don't have no use for me, and that's absolutely wrong. We know ourselves and at least in my case, we seem unlikely candidates for God's service, but we do not have the privilege or the ability to limit God's choices. Don't eliminate yourself. Of course, God has 8.2 billion other choices, other people to choose from, but he plans to use you, specifically where you're at and, and, and in the lives that you're living right now. He can and will use you if, big if, if you trust him. He, he makes us able. And this is one of the, the bedrock principles at Marian Methodist. And Chuck Alexander rewrote it for us in this devotional. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Write that down. Snap, you know, tweet that or exit or whatever it is now. Mary is completely uneducated to be the mother of our Lord. She is completely unprepared to carry to term 
the, womb, the, the child that is going to be God incarnate. Every single disciple that, that was a disciple of Jesus Christ was undereducated, underqualified, and unready to share the gospel with the whole world. We see that at the death of Jesus on the crucifixion. But a month and a half later, there they are transforming the entire world from the very place that they started in Jerusalem itself. And now billions of us over the course of the history of the world have become Christians. But they were unqualified and, and, and unready. And frankly, so is your past completely unqualified to be a pastor I, I tell you this story because it's true most of my stories are <laughs> so my young daughter she was in high school at the time she's not there anymore um, this happened a dozen or so more years ago and it was important to the story that the person she's talking to is not a Methodist okay she's sitting in our doctor's office waiting room and an older gentleman who happened to be the father of a couple of guys that we went to high school with, I went to high school with, um, sat down next to her and they started chit-chatting because they were waiting because, you know, doctors are always on time. And he says to her, you know, they find out a little bit about each other. He says, well, who's, who's your dad? And she says, oh, Mike Morgan. He says, oh, old Mike Morgan, I know him. What's Mike doing? She said, well, he's the pastor at the Methodist Church downtown. And he said, no, you mean Mark. <laughs> That's my older brother. And she said, I know that my dad is Mike Morgan. He's a Methodist preacher. She, and he says, Mike Morgan isn't any Methodist preacher. That's how qualified I was. You know, it's also a great testimony to the Marian Methodists that they would forgive such a background like that to take a place like that, trusting in and being astonished by what God can do in the life of a human being. Because I know this, and that's my testimony from now until forever, that if God can use me, I am positively certain he can use you, every single one of you. We are necessary for God's work in the world. This is the message of the angel's voice beyond Mary. Once the Lord needed a Mary... Once upon a time, the Lord needed a Mary to hear, believe, and respond. Today, the Lord needs a, insert your name here, to listen, to believe, and to respond. When we think, how can this be? Our response has to be, because this is what God has planned for me and the world and then we spend the rest of our lives beginning now December 10, 2023 seeking to be God's servant and allowing his word to be fulfilled in us that's the word of God for us today collect your heart with mine let's pray Lord we thank you for Jesus your very presence with us and as we stand in awe at Mary who looked not backwards at marvelous happenings as we do in the scripture but looked forward with fear and trepidation allow our hearts to be energized by her magnificent yes to your will allow our responses to your calls upon our lives to be preemptively yes yes Lord we will do it of course we care what but we'll do it trusting you in every detail, every response, both positive and negative. We're scared that we're your choices to carry out your plans in the world. We're humbled by your confidence in us, and we are astonished 
by what your strong hand will accomplish even through us in our city and area. We pray this in the bold name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.